Hi friends, this is Will Parker. Before I jump into this week's podcast, I just wanted to say a couple of things. First of all, thank you for being a listener. If you find value in these conversations with other school leaders, one way that this podcast can become available for more leaders is by you taking an opportunity to go to iTunes and rank the program or write a review or wherever you receive your podcasts. That helps spread the word that this podcast exists and we are at more than 500,000 downloads of this podcast now and so I'd love to share it with even more leaders here where I live and around the world. Also, if you are interested in in any of the resources that I have available with executive coaching, masterminds, my books, or keynotes, you can find them all at my website at williamdparker.com. Hope you enjoy this continuing series on principles abroad, and thanks for doing what matters. Principle Matters Podcast, episode 242. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about leading in Xi'an, China with my special guests, Brittany Harris and Paul Wendler. Brittany Harris has been working with Xi'an International School located in China since 2008. With her undergraduate degree in education, she landed at this American-based international school that was founded in 1996 with the help of Shanxi Provincial Bureau of Education and began to teach multicultural students in a fourth grade classroom for a total of four years. In 2015, she shifted to middle school English for a total of six years, four of those years using her master's degree in curriculum as curriculum director. During her years in the classroom, she found that connection between people and focus on content helped students with not only developing, but also as lifelong learners and tomorrow's leaders. 2020, 2021 is her first year as principal, and she finds leading through a pandemic at an international school a wonderful challenge for her first year and is thankful for the support of her XIS community and beyond. And Paul Wendler has been in China since 2001 when he and his wife started teaching at the university level. After many years of language learning, humanitarian work, raising children overseas and teaching in Chinese public schools, both university and high school and middle school, Paul was recruited by Xi'an International School's board to become its first superintendent in 2014. Since then, he has worked closely with two principals in creating a long-term and sustainable vision for the future. He has a bachelor's degree in business management, has a satisfactory grasp on the Chinese language, and holds two master's degrees in both business ethics and teaching English as a second language. Brittany and Paul, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. It is so exciting to connect with both of you. And I always love, after that introduction, to just ask you to fill in the gaps on that intro and tell listeners something they may be surprised to know about you. So, Brittany, I'm going to call on you first. Well, thanks for having us, and uh, it's a great privilege. Um, Something that maybe you don't uh, know about me, I think my XIS, Xi'an community, knows this, um, but the listeners might not know this, that when I was younger, I struggled in school greatly, um, diagnosed with dyslexia, read pages with pink film color on it, missed some recess time, uh, failed eighth grade English. After all of that, uh, came back to education and just love it. Oh, what a great story. I'd love to unpack that more later, Brittany. And Paul Wendler, fill in the gaps on your intro and tell us something listeners may be surprised to know about you. I have a a side hobby that I working on developing in ventriloquism. 
And I have a dream someday of using ventriloquism to teach language. But when I say I'm working on it slowly, I mean real slow. But it's been, it's fun. It's fun for me. I've got my ventriloquist doll named Pong Pong. He's a panda. And we're ready to go. Um, we'll, we'll launch big in about two, three years, I think. Yeah, well, you better let me know when you're ready because I want a video of you in Pong Pong. That's so, that is so exciting. Well, Brittany and Paul both began their lives before education. Paul from the Seattle area and Brittany from the middle of Pennsylvania. We had a little conversation pre-show. And so it's so great to connect with both of you guys. And I, years ago, had the opportunity to visit Xi'an in 2010 with a student group and saw the Terracotta Warriors. If you've listeners, if you've never had the opportunity to travel to China, you've got to go to Xi'an when you're there. What a wonderful place. And the, the Terracotta Warrior is your school mascot. And Paul, I just want to begin by asking you, tell us a little bit more about this school community and what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you two have found in leading this? Yeah, I mean, the DNA of our school is, uh, it was it was birthed out of an educational foundation that came to China to help China. Um, and at the time, uh, they, they pursued us and asked us to start an international school to develop the international community here. So from the get-go, it's just been, the mission has been to bless this city, to help it grow, um, to see it prosper. And so that's pretty exciting when you have people and you're able to uh, uh, attract families that have the same vision and, and mission and purpose. And so I would say that's probably one of our biggest strengths here is as well as educators that feel the same way. Um, you know, our uh, Lord knows that our teachers don't come here for money, but they come with a sense of just wanting to, to bless and be a part of um, uh, this city. And so that's pretty exciting. And we, we gear a lot of our training and help our teachers engage in that same way. And so another one of our, I think, one of the things I like to highlight is when, they, when our teachers come here, we purposely help them with language studies and things so that they can engage the community as well. And how many students are you guys serving right now, Brittany? At, I know that there's more than one level, but talk to us a little bit about what does what your student population look like this year? Sure. Yeah. Um, this year is unique, of course, with travel and a pandemic. And you can imagine an international school, it really um, hit it hard. At the beginning of the school year, we had about 100 students um, from kindergarten to 12th grade. And now we have about 120 students from pre-K to 12th grade. Well, Brittany, while I have this question in front of me, I wanted to ask you, because this is a thread of conversation that I've been having with principals here in the U.S. and and globally, what has it been like leading through a pandemic in your school community? Yes, uh, we have all faced challenges and at an international school in China, um, the challenges are will look kind of the same and look very different at the same time. At the start of our school year, um, we had less than half of our teaching staff not on campus, not in the same country, not even on the same continent. Uh, even now, we have eight teaching staff who are in the U.S. Uh, working at a 12-hour, 13, 14-hour time difference. They're night working shift teachers and doing a great job. And so our unique challenge um, is definitely our staff trying to get them here. Um, but one of the huge blessings is how China has dealt with the pandemic, um, has been very stringent, very strict. So we have not really missed any days on campus. 
classes as normal, after school activities as normal, tournaments as normal. So truly blessed to be in the classrooms with the students, not worried about um, COVID in the classrooms. Um, we still wear masks, um, especially when we're outside, um, still do temperature checks, but uh, just hearing from other schools and other school leaders, knowing that this is very unique to be in the classroom for such a long period. So very thankful for that as well. So when I was in China in 2010, we visited a school in Beijing. And of course, we were in several cities. Um, I noticed that in the school visit that we did, they began their day outside. Is is that a typical start for the day in, in Xi'an? We don't, we don't do the same, the traditional Chinese uh, model of starting outside like that. I mean, I lived that world for for many years, and yeah, it's a great it's a great option. But um, we definitely do get out a lot, and it's if it's we don't do it every morning like the Chinese schools do. Well, I'm really fascinated with your ability to lead a staff who not only is remote, but several of them still in their home locations. And so talk a little bit about that dynamic, because even in our correspondence, and Brittany, you've been a Principal Matters listeners, and you guys are doing Pause, Breathe, Flourish. The, my latest book is a book study. Uh, and so in our correspondence back and forth, you've talked about that dynamic of you guys leading team meetings. So talk a little bit about what, are, what have been some of the obstacles and challenges? Uh, a lot of obstacle and challenges. Uh, learning as we go, um, but uh, just really thankful for a chance to um, have your book. Um, for the focus on part of our mission statement is well-being, uh, mm-hmm. and I think this is a huge year on well-being and taking care of yourself as an educator, um, putting on your o- oxygen mask first before you're helping other people. And so, something that uh, we've done from the top down is um, we can't just tell our teachers to take care of themselves we need to take care of ourselves too. So having a weekly reminder during our meetings, um, not just getting down to the business of, okay, this teacher's falling apart this week, what do we do to help them? Um, But stop to reflect on our own lives. What are we doing well? What what can we do to help other people? Um, What can we do to help this teacher so it's not just on one person's shoulder? Uh, So I think that for us having a Monday morning We can get all together, mostly um, physically in the same room, in the same meeting room. We can uh, lay down, okay, here's what I want to do this week. But before we go through everything of what we're going to do this week, let's first go through the study guide questions, which are are they still offered for free? Um, We we download them when they were offered for free and just going through those. So that way we can um, start by putting on our own oxygen mask before we put out all the little fires that are going to come up, of course. Yes, that study guide is still offered for free. So listeners, if you're interested in studying that with your groups, you can find that at connected2ds.org and go to resources and you can down- download that study guide for free. Paul, I'm just really curious if I could take a, a visual tour of your school right now with you. Um, and I'm walking in and I'm anticipating teachers doing instruction with students who are now present with masks, but but some other teachers aren't present. So how does that look? How, how are you managing that dynamic? It's a challenge. I think you just never realized, I think all of us listeners, um, you will, how how much we took for granted being present in, you know, in the same room uh, before the pandemic hit. And uh, it's just, you know, we, Brittany's, what she says is so true that we need to find ourselves. You know, how do you, when you're struggling and other people are struggling, how do you, how do you, where's your source of strength for that? 
And so we've just really had to fight through that. Like, like she was saying, you have to have something to give. That's first of all. And uh, your study has been very helpful. I've been sitting in on those meetings as well. And it's been great. It's been, what, one of the things that just melts my heart too is like local staff. They've never heard of doing something like this at, a, at, a, at an institution of employment. You know, they've, this is just blowing them away that we would talk about these things. And so that's really good. Um, as far as the teachers and, you know, uh, I, I hope I can hold it together with you right now, Will, but, you know, the, one of the biggest things I'm, you know, I'm on my heart daily is just the struggles that those uh, teachers are facing um, that are not with us. And I just have such a heart to have them here to be with them because I feel like that somehow I could help them. And it, it feels very helpless. But what I'm realizing is I'm not helpless. Um, there are things we can do. There are conversations that need to be had. There's, there, they need help in the way they need it. And it's finding out how that is because it's different. They have different needs than our teachers that are on campus. And we still don't know all of those. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. But the realization, it dawned on us you know, a few, three, four months ago that, wait a minute, they have different needs. They're not going to want to have another meeting on Zoom. You know, what else can we do to encourage them? And so we're just working hard, racking our brains, praying a lot for our staff over there and just believing that they can, they can pull through this and it's going to be okay. Thanks for saying that, Paul and Brittany. And I can tell that you guys care deeply about the relationships with your people, not just the instruction that's happening with your kids. Talk for me, talk to me for just a little bit. And Brittany, I'll pose this question to you, but what, if you had to boil down one of the most challenging experiences of this first year, welcome to your first year leading in a pandemic, um, what would you say has been one of those biggest challenges that you faced and what lesson have you learned from it? Um, I have a great story and I think everyone is gonna uh, enjoy this story of, uh, uh, first of all, I'm making lots of wonderful mistakes that I'm learning from. And so here's one of the wonderful mistakes I learned from uh, probably the second week of school with students on campus. Uh, remember once again, that we have more than half of our teachers off campus. We have a lot of volunteers and various people just kind of filling up space to be in the classroom while their teachers are online teaching things. Um, made about 106 different schedules so far this year um, with the wonderful help of Cheryl Yee our librarian and electively teacher. And so when you're making that many schedules, um, some things just fall through the cracks, such as um, making sure that all classes have an adult in the classroom at all times. Um, I was doing my checks going into the classroom. I saw these wonderful 10th grade students that were teaching each other about Julius Caesar using the new smart board. I was taking pictures for the parents. Oh, wonderful. Look at our students just initiating their education. I looked around to see where the monitor was to comment about how great this class was. No one, no one there, no adult there, just a bunch of 10th graders in a classroom. By themselves. It's like, okay, okay, don't panic. The monitor maybe had to run out really quick. So I looked around again. Um, in that 10th grade class, it's all boys and one girl. I went over to the girl because I knew she would tell me the truth. I said, um, is your, who's your monitor? And uh, hesitantly, she said, um, we haven't had a monitor. Remember, it's been two weeks since classes started. Each time for study hall, they have not had an adult in the classroom. Uh, we have CCTV cameras that I was not checking because I've been running 
around everywhere. I wear tennis shoes. I don't wear heels anymore. Um, I said, oh, okay, great. Uh, I'll, I'll fix that. Of course, I did not write anything down. I, another emergency came up. I ran to another room. Two days later, I was in the same classroom without a monitor again in that classroom. I was like, okay, uh, let me just find someone right now to get in the classroom and just keep them in there. Um, luckily, those kids are great. Once again, the second time I came in, they were teaching each other during study hall. Uh, that time was about Genghis Khan to the other classmates. Um, just That's a just a small mistake that luckily had an okay outcome despite no adults in the classroom of a 10th grade class. Um, and so I'm making lots of great mistakes like that. I have a great community. I think that's uh, been my saving grace so far this year that um, openly to the teachers, to parents, I just say, thank you for your patience. Thank you for dealing with the things that I'm learning and letting me make mistakes. I appreciate that and we can laugh about it later. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a, one of my favorite stories from the first semester, just showing, I don't know everything. I'm going to make mistakes. I just need to embrace it and move on and figure out some solutions. Oh, I love that story, Brittany. And I was muting my laughter throughout because <laughs> I can just imagine what that's like to walk in and see students leading students and then realizing, oh yeah, that perfect master schedule is not working right now. And so that's mm -hmm. beautiful. Paul, what would you add to that conversation? If you had to look back at this year, some of the, some of the, what, some of the greatest challenges you've led organizationally uh, looking over this entire campus leadership and then what's the lesson you've learned from it? I think the pandemic has uh, just highlighted how uh, schools are unique in so many ways. Um, I've been a part of other business organizations and, and involved in schools, uh, but this was the first time that I was able to be a part of something that was involving the big picture but you realize how many stakeholders are involved. And I mean, I can't, the pressure on that level is, um, was just astronomical. We were, when, when the uh, virus started taking off in China, we, uh, many of us were in Thailand um, enjoying the warm weather and um, cleaner air uh, for a while. And we couldn't get back into the country. We were advised to stay out. And so we started I pulled all of our teachers together for a two weeks in a hotel, you know, a, a, a low cost hotel because we didn't have the budget uh, to pull it together and just, just to come up with an online program, you know, away from our school where our students scattered everywhere. And I think just the leadership on that. And as Brittany has, you know, we've all just bumbled our way through and just had to ask a lot of forgiveness. I appreciate Brittany so much. I mean, just she she's one of those people that actually says oh i made a mistake and it's not like it's like for her that's an opportunity and i think that you know that's just a mark of a great leader and she's already a great leader she's going to be even better going forward because she's learning from those things that those mistakes that we've all made through this pandemic so i think that and communication with parents how to again you are you are, are you full yourself? You have something to give because parents need you. The kids need you. Your staff needs you. You know, what do you have to offer to the, to the game? And honestly, there are days I didn't have anything to offer and it showed. And um, still, you know, you just you have to make sure that 
you have that that thing to offer. And so where do you find the time to do that in the middle of a pandemic? I think that is one of the key issues for leadership in schools right now. You know, what do you have to give? Where are you getting it from? It's good stuff. Thank you to both of you. International school education is a passion for you guys. And one of the memories that I have about my time in my short time in China was when I had the privilege to meet international educators and their enthusiasm is contagious. It's the first time in my career that I've considered leaving the U S because I just saw the passion in the leaders and the educators that I met in, in the, in the international schools that I was able to, to interact with. And, and some of those people were on the, on the, in the group that we were traveling with that summer. So I just got to hear their stories. So I would just love to stop there for just a moment and ask the both of you to talk a little bit about that passion. What is it that gives you such a drive to, to embed yourself in a community that was not yours when you came, but has become your community? Yeah, I, I love um, just the mini UN global atmosphere of international schools. I get to learn. I come to school. I get to learn from my students every day. I was in pre-K and there's a lot of Korean students. So I learned omji is thumb and gumji sokara is your pointer finger. And uh, I, I love being at an international school. We're an American-based international school. But if American educators were to come into the classroom, uh, yeah, they would see some similarities, but they would see some differences of how things are taught or different methods used because we're an international bubble. We're not quite any one country. So it gives a even playing ground for all of us to learn and to grow from different countries and cultures with different strengths. Um, one thing that I can recognize now is that Americans are very good with um, creativity, problem solving, kind of thinking outside the box, but sitting down and memorizing something is a bit of a challenge um, for some of the students in American schools. Whereas in more of the Asian culture, that memorization comes so quickly and easily, that discipline of just sitting down, but asking to creatively problem solve something might take a lot, lot longer for those students. So being able to learn and grow from different cultures, um, really just, it sharpens everyone. It's not just the students who are learning and growing, it's all the staff members. Um, as Paul said earlier, I love this. Our school offers um, Chinese classes for um, our staff members who don't understand Chinese, so they can go outside of the classroom, they can uh, go just walk on campus and talk to the Chinese students that are on campus here too. Um, and then we also have some English classes offered for those who are using English to help with instruction. Our students have 50 minutes of Chinese every day. So when they go home, they can make friends with um, the Chinese, uh, other Chinese students that live in their same area. And so I think for me, uh, that international culture, that constantly learning and uh, just picking up from everyone's strengths is an amazing opportunity to have every day. Mm, thanks, Brittany. Paul, what would you add to that? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, personally, um, grew up with not a lot of ambition when I was in school. Um, I made major changes in my life in college, started getting really seriously serious academically at that point. But so I have a passion to see these kids catch on to learning a lot earlier than I did. And I think that's happening. You know, our SAT score average is phenomenal. It's over 1400. Some of these kids are just amazing. 
I mean, they're so talented. They have so much ahead of them. I have two boys at the school and I wish that for them as well, that it would just catch on, that that desire for learning would just continue to grow for them. And then the second thing is, this is my city. I mean, we've, yeah, we've been to other places, but Xi'an has always been, you know, the home for us in China. And so it's not so much for me having to adopt a, a community. Um, it really is my community. And that really spurs me on to what Brittany was talking about, not only for the teachers to engage, but the students. You know, we tell the parents when they, we do parent interviews now as well. What really important to us is that your kid doesn't just go from school to home, but there's you know, that he or she is able to get out there, take a bus, get out there and go see a friend, go to a mall, but on, on their own so that they're living here and they can really leave this. And so somebody says later on, maybe when they're 22 in college, oh, you lived in China, speak some Chinese to me. And they're like, uh, you know, that for me, that's so important that they're able to just to just share that Chinese that they've learned and talk about the city that they were in for whatever, two, three, four, five, 10 years and be proud of that. Um, I'm just not interested in the foreign bubble, so to speak. I want us to engage the community. And I think this, this position gives me uh, an outlet for that passion to see more people engage, engaging our community. So, Well, I did not plan this question ahead of time, but this is your opportunity because with Principal Matters listeners who are going to be listening to this episode late spring there will be some out there who are looking for that next transition. And so, Paul, this is a good opportunity to speak to those people who have maybe thought, or maybe they haven't ever thought about international school as an option, but maybe there's someone out there who has, and I want to make sure that they have an opportunity to hear from you guys, why they may want to consider that. And then how can they connect with you all if they want to share ideas with you, or if they want to find out more about your school? Yeah. I'll let Brittany uh, follow up on this too, but um you know, if you are interested in, in, in making a difference in a context that's not your own, like transplanting yourself and having that growing experience and being stretched, I mean, this is the job for you. I mean, for, it's the best thing in the world. I mean, it, it's wonderful. You have top-notch students. You get to work with a dynamic staff, a, a multicultural staff, um, learn a new language, uh, eat some new uh, delicious, amazing foods and the history, you know, well, you've already talked about that. I mean, the history in our city, the ancient capital of China, and it's it's phenomenal. It's so rich. And so, it, you know, I would encourage anybody to consider this as an option for their education career, to, to further it, to stretch it for a few years or to come for the rest of their lives and retire here. Fantastic. On our website, uh, in International.com um, has contact information. Um, you can also email myself, pwendler at xisschool.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Brittany, I think probably has even more to say about that. I, I think you got it covered, Paul. But also if you want to um, email myself as well at principal at xisschool, it's spelled a little different, xisschool.com. Um, and same thing with Paul's email as well. Um, feel free to send questions, comments. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Well, I want to thank both of you for the opportunity to have this conversation, but I, I want to wrap this up with a bonus question. And so, Principal Harris, I'm going to ask you this question first. And, and that is some of the things that you're doing for your own self-care, even in your first year in school leadership. I think it just keeps evolving for my first year. Maybe this is old news to principals 
that, oh yeah, I did that my first year too. Maybe it's just a unique Brittany thing or Principal Harris thing, as I say in my videos. Um, but uh, for right now, my current, what's something that is refilling me, what's something that is helping me get that energy that I need is um, actually uh, in the study guide that you have and in your book, uh, I think it's chapter three about your influence. Um, it might seem counterproductive. I'm an introvert. Uh, I don't get energy from people, but I find during this season uh, that uh, talking to other people, uh, reaching out to people that maybe uh, is not in my particular bubble of school and education has really helped me get a better perspective of other people's challenges, other people's successes um, that has been able to fill me up and be able to give better to my community here. And so hearing from other people, even um, will listening to your podcast and hearing from other principals, um, all of that has really helped me equip for this year to just listen to other people's stories, to learn from other people's successes, to learn from their failures too. Um, even though I might still repeat some of those failures, that's okay. Um, and reaching out to people during this time. I think that's really crucial as we're kind of social distancing, we're not getting those connection points, um, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, I think it's so crucial during this season to reach out to other people, maybe not even educators too. There's a lot of great professions out there that add great perspective to maybe a unique problem that you're facing now that someone else in a different profession will be able to have a unique solution that would be great in something that you're working through at the moment. So that's it right now. It's going to change in a couple of weeks. I'll have a different answer to that question, but for right now, that's what's helping me out. Oh, what I, what I really like about that, Brittany, is um, I heard someone else talking today. Of course, I'm a former English teacher, so I was listening to a conversation with um, with a literature professor who was explaining that when we engage our imaginations with the experiences of others, we f we find perspective. And and so that's that's what I hear you saying too, is that you're your ability to draw strength from the influence and the and the stories of other people uh, fills your tank. And so that's that's a that's a great way to understand your and reflect on your own experiences. And Paul, you've been I'm gonna call you a seasoned leader. You've been doing this for a long time now. And so those those practices may have changed for you over the years. But what does that look like for you as you're trying to figure out ways to to refill your own tank for leadership? Uh, season leader, no. Um, there's so much that, you know, this season has only shown me how, how far I am from that. But what I'm trying to do, Will, is I'm trying to flip the script on uh, bad news. I don't know how else to say that, really. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't, is the, at the risk of becoming preachy, my, the only way I've found to do that is, um, uh, scripture verses, especially the Psalms have helped me a lot. And you can feel free to, I don't know how you deal with this, but you can cut this out if you'd like. But I, you know, the, the Psalm, the Psalm that gets probably the most is Psalm 145 says, no, the, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, quick in love, you know, and, and the fact that he has compassion, he's good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. So what I'm trying to do, Will, and I'm, I have not mastered this, but when I get that piece of bad news, which is for us daily, I mean, for all everybody listening here, you're getting a piece of at least one piece of pretty bad news daily. So how do we see that? Do we see it as, 
okay, God's good. There's something good in this. Something good's going to happen. He is good to me, and he is in his essence good. That's the only thing that I can think of that's going to get continue to get me through these uh, these hard times. And so that's something I need to turn to every day. And I need to remind myself and memorize those scriptures and allow them to sink in and hopefully start living them. <laughs> hopefully start living them as I pray and ask him to help me. So those, that's been that's been the only thing that I've come to. Well, Paul, none of that will be edited out of this episode. And if you guys are reading through Pause, Breathe, Flourish, there was a reason that I included a chapter on spirituality in that book, because I have discovered in my relationships with school leaders, and if Principal Matters listeners, if you're listening to this and you're non-religious, that's that I respect your experience just as much, but but I included a chapter there on spiritual strength and experience because I have found it to be so foundational for so many leaders with whom I interact. And, and most recently, I've been trying to or actually memorize Psalm 1 as a way of when I wake up in the night, when I have something that's weighing on me that's anxious, uh, of just stopping and meditating on truths that are deeper and more universal than what I can find in the news what I can pick up on social media, what I can discover in an email, um, or what I can hear on a podcast. And so I just think there's just something beautiful about that that experience. Um, one of the other uh, conversations that I probably will have already shared before this episode was with a, a principal friend in Ireland who spends his morning in meditation on uh, just reflecting and journaling, just using that opportunity to think about each day. What am I great? What am I grateful for? What are the challenges that I'm facing? And then what are the opportunities that I'm facing today? But just taking that time to reflect on that, I think gives you perspective. Well, Brittany Harris and Paul Windler, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days to connect with me 13 hours ahead of the time zone that I'm in. And Principal Matters listeners, you can find the contact information for Brittany and Paul's school in the show notes for this week's podcast. Thanks for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you next week. You can find other free resources like this one for school leaders at my website at williamdparker.com.